0: Welcome to Intergenerational Politics with Jill Weinbanks and Victor She, where we host weekly political discussions that are engaging and relevant to all generations. As always, we want to thank you for listening to Intergenerational Politics. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts to support future episodes. We also have a website, intergenerationalpolitics.com. This is Victor Shi. I'll be an incoming freshman at UCLA next year. I'm also the proud co-host of this podcast with Jill.
1: I'm the author of The Watergate Girl. My name is Jill Weinbanks, and it's based on my experiences as the only woman on the trial team for the Watergate case. I'm also the proud co-host of this podcast with Victor Shi. We have a very special episode planned for you today. We have two wonderful guests, David K. Johnston and Renato Mariotti, who will help us to understand Trump's tax returns as reported by the New York Times. We'll also be talking to them about how the tax system benefits the rich and also some of the possible political and legal implications, both criminal and civil, uh, for Donald Trump based on the New York Times reporting of his tax returns. And hopefully, will help you to understand why this matters to you as voters. You are the ultimate arbiters in this election. And so it matters that you understand this. We recorded these conversations before learning that President Trump and the First Lady had tested positive for COVID. Victor and I hope that they have a speedy recovery and that we decided to go ahead with this, releasing this episode, despite their illness and our best wishes for them, because we think it's important for you to know about this issue before you vote. And since voting has already started in so many places, we thought it was worth going ahead with this tonight.
0: Yeah. So, And we also want to take this opportunity to remind all of you that no one is immune from this virus. Keep wearing masks, socially distancing, and following the science. With that, let's get started. Um, First, we have David K. Johnson with us. David is a Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative reporter and best-selling author of The Making of Donald Trump. He has lectured on economics, journalism, and tax policy on every continent except Antarctica, and is a former president of investigative reporters and editors. uh, David also teaches at Syracuse University uh, College of Law and is a frequent guest on MSNBC, CNN, BBC, ABC, uh, basically all the big networks. And even more interesting to me, he was a consultant for Netflix series uh, House of Cards. So first, thank you so much for being here, David.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Um, So let's begin on a lighter note. Um, You were the consultant for House of Cards, which was one of my first Netflix shows. Um, Loved it. Um, Obviously, you know, we missed uh, um, uh, Frank Underwood because of uh, what happened to him. But um, did you ever think that there would be so many parallels between the House of Cards and any actual president of the United States, like the corrupt, dark nature of, uh, of the House of Cards, and then also possibly the United States president?
2: Back when that show started in 2012, and my youngest daughter graduated from college on a Friday and was working in the writer's room on that show on a Monday, which is how I got to be a consultant for them. Mm-hmm. If you had written a novel based on the facts of the last four years, your publisher, I don't care if you were the best-selling novelist in the history of the world, your publisher would say, well, if you insist, I mean, we'll, we'll do 500 copies of this, but nobody will believe it and it'll ruin your reputation. So
1: So let's start with a quick summary of the new revelations about Trump's taxes in the New York Times. Uh, From that, we know a lot of things now. We know that he paid $750 for the first two years of his administration and zero for most years before that. We know that he took tax deductions that anyone knows they couldn't take. So for example, the $70,000 that he took for his hairstyling, I looked into, could I deduct makeup, hair, clothes when I went on television? The answer is absolutely not. So um, first of all, is that sort of a fair summary of what we've learned about his taxes and what are the highlights that you would
2: like our listeners and viewers to be aware of? But if you're an actor, rather than someone in a news show, and you have clothing or wigs just for that show, those are probably tax deductible. But that's not at all what happened here. And Donald, all his life has taken deductions he's not entitled to. He was tried twice for tax fraud, which almost nobody knows. A story I wrote four years ago. And what was that trial about? He fabricated out of thin air, $600,000 plus of tax deductions, and then he forged the tax return. He took the proper tax return his longtime lawyer and accountant had prepared, put in his own tax return with a photocopy machine, put his lawyer's signature on it, and when he was shown that at the trial, and he was Donald's witness, he said, I'm paraphrasing, uh, that's my signature, but neither I nor my firm prepared that tax return. Donald was lucky he was not prosecuted for forgery. Hmm.
1: I remember that very, very well. Um, And it it is so interesting what we've learned from this. Um, And one of the things that came out in the New York Times report, and I wanna just sort of read from what I thought was a line that encapsulates Donald Trump's character. Uh, They wrote, indeed, his financial condition when he announced his run for president in 2015 lends some credence to the notion that his long-shot campaign was at least in part a gambit to reanimate the marketability of his name. So what I'd like to do is have you talk about uh, what that means exactly. What kind of debt does he have? Is his debt a national security risk if, if for example, he owes that huge amount of money to, for example, Russia or China. Uh, my understanding is that it's about $300 million that will be due in the next four years, which means during his second term, should he be reelected, and possibly another 100 million for um, a tax refund of 72 million that he got, but which may be, uh, cha- is being challenged. That seems to be the grounds for the audit. Um, But even if he doesn't owe the money to Russia or China, isn't it fair to say that American voters have a right to know who he owes the money to and whether the creditors that he owes that money to are benefiting from his policies?
2: Donald Trump as president is entitled to every secret we have, the names of all of our Russian agents, at least two of whom since he's become president have disappeared under mysterious circumstances. And he, in fact, shortly after he became president, had an unannounced meeting in the Oval Office with the Russian foreign minister, Lavrov, and the Russian ambassador, Kislyak, both spymasters, in which he gave away sources and methods, the most deeply held secrets in our security area. Now, let me explain why all this is very important. Donald is not a businessman. Business people create a business to create wealth. Donald is a con artist. And the whole point of the book, The Art of the Deal, even though Donald didn't see it that way, was to describe his con artistry. He finds a mark, he gets all their money, he dumps them. If he gets a business and every business but one that he's had, he obtained without putting up a dollar. He borrowed money or he got money from partners, so he had a negative investment. And then he bleeds the place dry and dumps the carcass. And moves on to the next mark. Unfortunately, now he's at the biggest mark you can have in the world, and there's nowhere to go. So, once you understand that he's not a businessman, that he is somebody who is just always on the hunt for cash, which he runs through like crazy, uh, it takes on a whole different hue about who he is. He's always in debt, but you know, after he declared I, in 1990 when I revealed he wasn't a billionaire and he called me a liar for four months until he had to admit that was true in a formal judicial proceeding. Um, Donald said later, I borrowed money knowing I didn't intend to pay it back. That's why all the banks cut him off. Why would Deutsche Bank be the one bank to loan him money? Well, Deutsche Bank is the most notorious bank in the world for laundering money for Russian criminals. They've been fined over $600 million for laundering money for Russian criminals. And there's good reason to think this isn't a loan. There are Russian criminals behind those loans from Deutsche Bank that they put up matching Mm -hmm. funds or letters of credit or other. Deutsche Bank does this all the time. Lots of banks do, but particularly Deutsche Bank does. Now, the $300 million of personally guaranteed loans that you brought up that would come due during a second Trump administration, First of all, real billionaires don't have to personally guarantee loans. They have assets. They pledge those assets. So why is he personally guaranteeing loans? And it's because the bankers or even those bankers don't trust him about where his money is and what he has. Uh, That's number one. Number two, he actually owes $1.1 billion. Forbes magazine will say that because there are other debts that are not included in the tax documents for various reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, perfectly legitimate reasons in this case, by the way. Um, so he's he is very deeply in debt and he's always desperate for cash to service his own needs and to service his loans. We should be worried about this because given the two tax fraud trials Trump already had, the civil tax fraud trials where he made up deductions, why should we think that his claims that One of his golf courses was losing a million dollars a month is real. I mean, how do you lose a million dollars a month at a golf course for starters? But these huge deductions he's taken, they may well be fabricated. And if they are, here's the national security question that should scare us all. Who got the money? Where's the money? What's really going on here? Is this a giant money laundering operation or Russian criminals, American criminals, and drug dealers. It, lot, lots of reason to think that there are criminals who are buried back in the, what we're not seeing in the tax returns. And it explains why Donald took all the way to the United States Supreme Court, an effort to prevent a subpoena from being exercised against his accountants.
0: Well, I mean, so going back to the idea um, that he didn't expect and possibly didn't want to win, but was doing so just to reinvigorate his brand, right. um, you've covered Trump and have a good understanding of his character. Um, he constantly tells us, you know, you mentioned that he does amazing, you know, business deals and is amazing amazing uh, businessman. Um, but how rich is he, you know, you know, he claims that he's rich. How, how rich is he actually? And is he, is he actually near at risk of personal financial ruin?
2: Well, when he claimed uh, one day in 1990 that he told me over coffee that he was worth 3 billion and a couple of hours later told a ABC reporter, he was worth five amazing return on investment. <laughs> uh, and and he was actually had a negative net worth of about $300 million. Uh, you don't know is, is right. the most bottom line. Uh, Donald's in real financial peril and, uh, What lies ahead for him without question is the following. The New York prosecutors will eventually get the documents. Donald will be indicted on tax insurance fraud and there are a number of other crimes I I expect. He will be tried, he will be convicted and then the only issue will be, will a judge take pity on him because of his age and health and not put him behind bars. And remember that the crimes Michael Cohen went to prison for We're done at the direction of Donald Trump. He is the co-conspirator. So if Michael Cohen belongs in, in prison, so does Donald Trump right now today. And I want to take one quick break to go get
1: a pin that someone sent me that relates to this. So hold on one second while I just grab it. So the pin that I wanted to show to you, David, relates to what you said about him not paying people that he owes money to. And also relates to what you referenced as the uh, indictment of Michael Cohn, in which the president is individual number one. and here's the pin.
2: Let's see if we can get it. it says only contractor Trump ever paid. <laughs> <somebody.">
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's a great pin. Is't that terrific and uh, And it's all so true, but so you've you've given us right now some uh, prediction of criminal offenses that he may be liable for. But let me ask you, do you think politically this information is going to have any impact? I mean, voting has already started. This information is pretty dynamite, as was, for example, Bob Woodward's revelations about COVID and the president withholding the information that he clearly had. But do you you think this is going to matter? Or is this one of those things with the president saying, I could kill someone on Fifth Avenue and I wouldn't lose a single vote?
2: And his attorney said, if he did that, the New York police would be prevented, should be prevented from investigating it because he's president. Um, I don't think the New York Times stories, nor the brilliant 2018 investigation they did, or my publication of his 2005 tax return of DC report three years ago, are going to affect, you know, any but a handful of voters, and probably mostly by people saying, I'm just not going to go vote we have a government that has set up all these incredible tax rules that literally are ending law enforcement of taxes for people like Donald Trump, whereas uh, people who are wage earners or pensioners like me, we couldn't cheat if we tried because they've computerized everything and created a system where there's no uh, uh, itemizing of deductions anymore for more than 95% of the public but just in general, let's talk
1: about what's happened to IRS's criminal tax enforcement actions.
2: Well, we have defunded the tax police. Uh, The IRS last year got the Justice Department to prosecute 530 people for a primary charge of tax fraud. 155 million tax returns in round numbers, and there were 530 prosecutions. Uh, The IRS, the inspector general for the IRS did a report in May that uh, there were 800 and some thousand high-income Americans who did not file a tax return in 2014, 15, 16. They are not even trying to pursue more than 500,000 of them. Because they don't have any resources. The number of criminal investigators in just 10 years is down. By I think it's 22 percent. The number of auditors is down by more than a third, and the the best IRS auditors, the most deeply trained people, who typically have a CPA license, and have not just a law degree but an LLM, specialty in tax. uh, They make eh, at most about 150 grand, 160 grand a year, and on average, they find 20 million dollars of taxes due in round numbers. What business would get rid of people who bring in more than 125 times their cost? Uh, the United States Congress and the presidents of the United States. Obama pushed to get some additional money. At the moment, Trump actually is asking for a little bit of additional money for the IRS, but it's, it's a drop in the bucket. We've got to fix the tax rules where you know, 90, 95% plus of us couldn't cheat if we tried because Congress doesn't trust us and everything is verified and we're limited in what we can do. But at the Donald Trumps of the world, Congress trusts them completely that they will report their income, not take deductions they're not allowed, and will pay all the taxes they owe. And they're only at risk of being audited. And their odds of audit, which used to be around one in three, this is enough to intimidate people, and and, uh, uh, in law enforcement terms is a general deterrent, uh, they're now down to less than one in three and falling. I'm sorry, one in 33 and falling.
0: Speaking of the tax code, so, I mean, you you mentioned how unfair it is for um, so many frontline workers, especially during this pandemic, teachers, nurses, firefighters, to pay more taxes than the president of the United States. And so I read an article that you wrote um, in the D.C. report, and you talked about the huge disconnect between the tax system of the rich compared to the one that applies to the 99% of ordinary folks. Um, So uh, help us understand what the tax system uh, is for just the ordinary workers living in America. Like, wh- how, what is it and how is it different than the one that Donald Trump and billionaires are living in? We have
2: two tax systems in America, separate and unequal. And one of the reasons we're so starved for revenue in Washington, that the starve the beast philosophy is working, is because so many people at the top don't have to pay. There's another element in this. Many corporations make a profit off the tax system. Apple, I calculated, made $124 billion off the Trump tax law. It got a $50 billion discount on its taxes, and then it got an eight-year loan at zero interest to pay the taxes, and it was backloaded to pay at the end. I'll take all the zero-interest money I can borrow, um, because whatever I make off it is gravy to me, and I'll pay you back when it comes due. If you can delay paying a tax for 30 years... It is the functional equivalent of being better off for not paying it, because you're going to invest that money. And if you go spend it at a gambling hall or in Stormy Daniels, this isn't true. But if you invest the money 30 years later, uh, the tax bill didn't grow with inflation. You didn't pay interest. You got all that interest you made even after paying taxes on it. And you will be richer. And the rest of us will be poorer, especially if Congress goes out and borrows the money in anticipation of it, because it's paying interest on it. Uh, And and we have to stop this. Now, my next book, the book I was working on when Donald announced, and I dropped everything five years ago, uh, tentatively titled The Prosperity Tax, is a whole new tax system for the 21st century. Our tax system was designed when the most modern car in America was the Model T Ford. It is still a Model T Ford system. It's just weighed down with tons of of, uh, special interest favors for various interests and businesses, and in some cases, quite literally families that are tucked into the tax code. And we can get rid of all of that. We can put everybody on the system that uh, the three of us are on. And most of the listeners out there will be on their whole lives. And it will allow us to have a much smaller IRS, it will reduce a lot less litigation. I, the system that I move us to, every expert who's gone over, accounting professors, accountants, business professors, business people, tax lawyers, they all say it absolutely works. And they all also say that one other thing, the American oligarchs will never allow it. Yeah. And to which I say, well, if enough ordinary people read the book, and it's going to be a short book. Mm-hmm. Yes, we'll get that change because real change in America always comes from the bottom up.
1: Let's follow up a little on on this audit question, because it's one of the most fascinating elements of all of this tax information to me. Um, But let's start first with, is there any reason why being under audit would actually prevent the president from sharing his tax returns, as every other presidential candidate in modern history
2: has done? No, and Jill, no. And in fact, Richard Nixon released his returns while under audit. Uh, because Jerry Ford pardoned him, uh, he nothing happened to him, but his tax lawyer went to prison yes. uh, for tax fraud. And, and if Nixon hadn't been pardoned, he could have been prosecuted. I don't like the idea of the federal government imprisoning presidents. If we're going to do that, I think state governments are more likely the people who should do that as a matter of politics and making our democracy work. But uh, no, there is absolutely no reason. Once you sign your tax returns, called legally a jurat, you have testified that what you've done is honest and accurate. And now the government's policy is to never prosecute for a single act. You could make a horrendous, you could cheat the government of a billion dollars, but it's the only thing you did, they'll treat it as a civil matter and go after you. But you do it repeatedly, that's a criminal offense and it's a pattern. Mm-hmm. Why is this audit taking
1: so long? Because he's just stretching it out,
2: out, Jill. He's
1: just stretching it out. How? By
2: what means? What allows this? Well, knowing Donald's general behavior and knowing one, having had one IRS agent who was a very junior person audited a Trump return, he told me that the moment he called to arrange an appointment, he got this, I'm going to tie up your life. For the next 10 years, and you're going to regret that you and just totally intimidating stuff. Uh, um, and when they had a meeting, there were a bunch of lawyers, the same thing, you know, you're new at this career, hey, kid, and the guy's bosses didn't back him up. And he closed the file. Wow. And, so, you, know, you, you, you know, we expect tax police who are making, you know, middle class salaries to to put up with that kind of stuff. Let's get real. You know, they're not, they're not going to do that. And
1: can you at all predict what the ultimate outcome of the audit will be?
2: Oh, no, because I don't know if it's actually good or not, but the, the IRS has not backed down and hasn't said, okay, here it is, or compromised on an amount of money, suggests they really got a matter of substance and he knows it. I think the better question is, why haven't they... Uh, taken him to court? Why haven't they either turned it over to justice, the tax division, although more than half of their recommended referrals are rejected, uh, or taken other actions, and they've got various tools they can use that would encourage Trump to bring a case in tax court or walk away from the money, because once he goes to tax court or the court of claims or the district court uh, and go to any one of those three forums, there'll be a public record.
1: Okay. So I can predict
0: why they're not sending it to the Department of Justice. Just to end this discussion, um, for my generation, uh, this New York Times report um for me and my friends, honestly, wasn't that shocking. You know, we've always thought the tax system was unfair and that the rich should pay their fair share in taxes. Yeah, as you said, you know, we consistently learn about people like Donald Trump or corporations, I think you uh, mentioned Apple, using the tax system as it exists to um, avoid paying their fair share. Um, so, you know, you're, you write about this in your new book, um, but what do you think it requires so that um, we have this tax system in which everyone does their due diligence and that we, everyone can pay their fair share um, in America?
2: So you got to decide, I care about my country, I am a patriot, I'm going to work at this, I'm going to try to follow Ruth Bader Ginsburg's model of we don't have to uh, be nasty to each other, even if we disagree, I'm going to persuade people, and I'm going to pay actual attention to government policy. We literally have people with billion-dollar annual incomes who can legally pay zero tax. They can make a profit off the tax system by deferring their taxes. You need to fix that. It requires work. It requires understanding how systems work and you can't say, oh, politics, you know, oh, a lot of people to Watergate. I don't want anything to do with politics anymore. It should have been a clarion call. You need to be involved in politics.
1: David K. Johnston, that was fantastic. I hope that you will take some uh, encouragement from Victor, who is the young voter who is really involved. Uh, I know I do take encouragement from that and hope that a show like this will appeal to bring out the vote among the younger generation. Uh, Me too. I hope from my uh, goddaughter and her family, who two of whom are recent college graduates and one of whom is a sophomore now in college, and who are all politically involved. Mm-hmm. That's what the future is gonna require. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for being with us. Thank you for yeah. having me. Thank, Thank you so much. much. Victor, our next guest is Renato Mariotti, a good friend of mine, and I'd like you to introduce him.
0: Definitely. So. Renato is a partner at uh, Thompson Coburn LLP. He was a former federal prosecutor in the Securities and Commodities Fraud Section of the United States Attorney's Office. During his nine years at the US Attorney's Office in the Northern District of Illinois, Renato tried more than a dozen criminal trials and prosecuted a wide array of cases involving some, some relating to tax evasion, which is relevant to our conversation today. Renato also appears frequently on networks like MSNBC and CNN to discuss legal issues. So first, thanks for joining us, Renato.
1: Thanks for having me on. We're very excited to have my friend Renato with us today. Um, We've gotten to know each other for quite a while now on uh, various television shows. And uh, I wanna talk to him about reporting about Trump's taxes and what the New York Times just had clearly shows that he pays a lot less than most people in America. Probably everyone listening to this even including Victor, who is just graduating from high school and about to start college, but has a summer job, is probably going to pay more in taxes this year than the president did. So uh, in my mind, I think people should be outraged about that, uh, both in terms of not only how little he pays in dollars, but what a small percentage of his reported income he pays. it does maybe underscore the fraudulent nature of Donald Trump's claims of wealth and success in business. So focusing on your experience, trying tax cases, uh, do you think that the New York Times information provides the basis for any criminal tax case against Donald Trump? So I
3: think it provides the basis to launch an investigation. So if I was looking at this, if, if Donald Trump was coming to me for as a client. I do represent uh, people now sometimes who are subjects of federal uh, and state tax cases, uh, tax investigations. What I'd say is some there's some piece of this that appears to me to be tax avoidance, where essentially you're getting deductions that are claimed that are not uh, valid, where you're you know telling the truth to the IRS, like I spend seventy thousand dollars on haircuts. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. It's hard to believe, but it just hypothetically, it could be true. Um, but you're claiming a deduction you're not entitled to, which could potentially, I think, be more of a civil issue that would result in penalties versus what looks like it could potentially be fraud. So, for example, um, you have on certain business deals that, uh, for example, let's say a hotel deal that Trump will have he would have a percentage of the proceeds that would go to an entity that's owned by Ivanka Trump, suppo- supposedly for consulting fees, which is really bizarre, uh, given that she's an employee. It's not clear why 20% of the value of a particular project uh, you know, would be uh, an adequate compensation for consulting that she's doing. It's not clear whether she actually performed consulting work. If she didn't actually do any consulting work, that statement to the IRS that you're paying all of those dollars, uh, let's say 700,000 plus on a particular project for consulting is a false statement. And that's what fraud is. And so that to me is worth investigating, but on its face, wouldn't establish a criminal violation.
1: It is so rare for tax criminal cases or even civil penalties to be brought. The enforcement has um, not been funded and cases aren't being brought. So the chances of any particular fraudster getting caught are so little that it's no longer a deterrent to such activity. Has that been your experience? What do you think about the the lack of prosecutions?
3: I think that's spot on. The reality is such a small fraction of cases are prosecuted that I don't think that it really deters people who are sophisticated. In other words, People like you and I. Well, we're 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 different. We're 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 following the law for its own sake. But people, the average person is actually scared of being audited. They're actually scared yes. of being prosecuted. And the fact of the matter is that my former office, at least one year I had checked, was the number one office in terms of number of tax defendants that were prosecuted. And I think it was maybe 200 mm-hmm. and something. Um, it's just not you know in one year. Well, you can imagine there's you know well, well over 300 million people in the United States. So. Uh, it's just a small fraction of taxpayers. And so as a practical matter, if you're somebody who wants to avoid paying taxes, you could take that risk uh, that you're not gonna be one of the very, very tiny percentage of people that gets uh, looked into. And then if you do are, you could hire somebody like me uh, who can try very hard to negotiate something with the government and get you to a point where you're just paying penalties as opposed to a prosecution where you go to prison and if that happens, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good bet for you because you essentially bet that you're in the 99% who don't get prosecuted. And if you're in the 1%, you know, potentially all you have to do is just pay more money. So it often can become rational for people to try to gain the system.
1: So you've mentioned the possibility of civil penalties as well as a possible fraud, which would be a criminal penalty. Do you think one or the other is likely at this point based on the federal tax returns, and the New York Times reporting. And that's all we have to go on right now, of course.
3: Yeah, I think that there's more likely to be a civil uh, problem than a criminal one, because it, for a lot of reasons. But um, it can be difficult to establish a criminal tax violation because most of our uh, statutes don't have a willfulness requirement. But tax is, is a special portion of our federal uh, criminal law where you are required to prove if you're a prosecutor, not only that the person was doing what you are alleging that they did, but also that they knew at the time that they were violating the law in some way. So usually ignorance of the law is isn't a a defense, but in a tax case, if for example, you were uh, putting something falsely down, but maybe just for the wrong reasons, or just, just it was a mistake or something like that, that you didn't realize the importance of it, um, that is um, not a criminal violation. You'd have to be doing it in order to uh, trick the IRS in some way, for example, or, or evade a legal obligation. And that's why I really went to that, that piece about consulting, because it seems to me that when you have a fraud where you're lying to the IRS, and it's pretty obviously a deliberate lie If it's, if, it, if, in fact, you didn't do consulting work. Um, That, you know, that is a potential of reaching that burden.
1: Well, Um, yeah, this is one case in which I would say that I think establishing his knowing uh, abuse of the tax system would probably be something I'd be willing to take on as a prosecutor. Uh, Even recognizing, yes, certainly paying your daughter, who is an employee of your company, for consulting as part of your business, in addition to her salary, just immediately raises red flags. And uh, I also, you know, I will we'll talk more about some of the, you know, expenses like $70,000. I tried to figure out how many times he would have to have his hair styled and how much each styling would cost to figure out how you could pay $70,000 for your hair. Um, and I I admit his needs a lot of attention, but still (laughs) I'm just a little suspicious and, and on the same subject, I'm also suspicious when he reports these huge numbers for income and then reports that he has no income because his expenses exceeded his income. How does he report millions of dollars of losses on a golf course? What is the cost of a golf course? You have a few employees, a few groundskeepers, you have, obviously he has a huge mortgage because he didn't pay for for these properties. Um, But does that raise a specter to you of money laundering when he's reporting these kinds of losses? Where is that money going is what I wanna know.
3: Yeah, I think, look, businesses often wanna report large losses for tax purposes uh, because they wanna avoid taxation. I think the question is uh, is if you scrutinize those are those losses accurate and if they're if they're accurate it certainly means he's a phony a rich guy he's just a guy who plays being rich on TV and he's a really a crappy businessman but I then I would, would there, then where I would turn is to look at his financial disclosures uh, which are made under penalty of perjury I'd look at his uh, documents that he's submitting to financial institutions because uh, it is actually a federal crime to uh, lie to a financial institution in connection with a loan, even if it's not, uh, even if you're not, um, even if it's not technically bank fraud, it's just any lie to a financial institution in connection with a loan is a a crime. So I think there's a lot of potential crimes here. I think the unfortunate thing is, given that we can count on Barr not to appoint a special counsel, is how that will be investigated
0: when you have Donald Trump paying less taxes, both in terms of de- like dollars paid and percentage of income paid um, than ordinary Americans, I think we can understand why voters would be angry and frustrated and feel like they're being cheated on in this system. Um, do you think what the New York Times reported may be the basis for further federal, state or local investigations? And then secondly, could Trump be charged with what the New York Times reported either by the current IRS or by New York State, Manhattan or like a future DOJ? So I do
3: think that, there, look, we know there's a separate New York state investigation. Um, I think that what the New York Times reported will be of interest to the uh, D- Manhattan district attorney's office that's conducting that investigation. They've tr- been trying hard to get his tax returns and have been fighting uh, in court to do so, uh, at, you know, at, up, in, up to the Supreme court even. Um, as on the federal side, I do think that a new DOJ administration could potentially investigate uh, Trump's taxes. Um, you know, I think that
2: uh,
3: a, a fair-minded prosecutor now would, would at least take a look at this. If it was someone else, if Bill Gates or uh, Jeff Bezos or some other wealthy person uh, had a report like this, you could, I would bet that a prosecutor somewhere Uh, would be a federal prosecutor will be taking a look at the matter. But I think there's going to be some obstacles and one is going to be that I wonder whether a new presidential administration is going to want to get bogged down in this. Mm -hmm. I also wonder, you know, for example, we did learn in the New York times report that this audit has dragged on for years. I think it raises the question of whether the IRS is giving special treatment to Trump. And we don't know exactly for some of this, how far will this, the statute of limitations will be. Now for the 2016 and 2017 returns, we still would have time in the statute of limitations, but anything beyond that, we would not. So there's, Definitely some uh, some challenges there. I don't think it's at all a guarantee.
0: So you mentioned, um, you mentioned uh, the pen, some of the pending cases going on involving the Manhattan DA, uh, Cy Vance's, as well as um, the New York Attorney General uh, Letitia James's case. Um, do you expect either case uh, to add any more information than what we know right now after the New York Times reporting came out um, on Sunday?
3: Yeah, and without a doubt. I, I think that First of all, the New York Times made it clear that there's more to come even on their end. Okay, they're gonna be, I don't know if they're dropping one before every debate or what, I don't know, but they've certainly got something up their sleeve. Second of all, of course, these are, this is, uh, these are based on federal tax return data. There's a uh, potential state, you know there, who knows what he did at a state tax returns. You could have a different set of issues on a state tax returns for all we know. Um, and then in addition, um, and then I would say in addition to that, you know, all that we got here was a fair, it was a very impressive piece by the New York Times and impressive analysis, but we got, I think, a very high level view of his tax returns. And we're all talking about the same four or five factoids that jump out at us, uh, jump out at anybody. But I think when you get down into the weeds, there's going to be a lot there because a federal uh, criminal investigator, excuse me, a state criminal investigator in the case of the Manhattan DA case, was going to have access to grand jury subpoenas and can interview people. So there's going to pres- presumably be a lot of detail that comes out of that that we don't have yet.
0: Okay, so um, our final question to kind of wrap up this portion of um, our discussion is um, You know, what role can we as citizens, you know, my generation, Jill's generation who want to see greater transparency from our government um, do to see Trump's taxes or will there? Will, will this all be left to the courts? Like why should this Trump's tax story matter? And then what can we do about it if we want to see more of these, you know, taxes from him?
3: Wow, great question. So I think first of all, if, if Trump does lose in November, one thing that you could do is put pressure on the new administration to pursue this matter. In other words, when you have a new president, Joe Biden is probably going to think to himself, I've only got 16 months 18 months or whatever it may be to get uh my agenda passed before there's midterms and um only a lot of energy and excitement from the base and the grassroots is is really going to potentially keep a new administration focused on an issue like this that could seem like it's in the rear view mirror i also and i think that also matters for on the state in the state and local level in other words if you are in a jurisdiction where Trump is doing business, um, particularly in New York, but anywhere, you know, there's a Manhattan DA's race right now and many candidates in it. And so I would be wanting to extract promises from candidates that they're going to push this issue, even when Trump is no longer at the top of the headlines, because it's important to you. But I think it also raises broader issues of tax fairness, um, transparency in government. And I think one thing that I think everyone's going to be tempted to do whenever Trump leaves office is to be so relieved by that, that we're more focused on fixing pro- acute problems that he caused, and there are many, uh, whether it's refugees who haven't been led into our country and children who have been stripped away from their parents and all sorts of ills, they are. We have, a, we have a pandemic, a bad economy, whatever that they won't be focused on repairing our system to ensure that there won't ever be uh, some of these issues ever again. And I think that is something that we all need to make sure we, we you know, devote attention to after Trump leaves
1: Thank you. I, that was very oh, interesting. And I appreciate your answering that question.
3: Oh, thank you, Jill. Thank you, Victor. Real pleasure uh, being here with both of you.
1: Thank you all for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed and learned from our experts. After our interviews, I did some additional research about one question that was bothering me, one that we didn't quite get an answer to during our live episode. The question is, why did Donald Trump pay his daughter, Ivanka, a three-quarter million dollar consulting fee while she was his employee? Why didn't he just raise her salary? If he thought she was doing such a good job and had extra work, he could have just raised her salary. Um, that would have been a deductible uh, expense for his business, and she would have paid taxes on it, whether it was salary or whether it was a consulting fee. So I couldn't figure out why he had done that, but I pursued the question with friends who are in accounting, the media, and law. And I learned the following three things one, salary requires that the employer pay Social Security taxes. So, that would have raised the tax bill on that amount of money. And Social Security on three quarters of a million dollars is a lot of money. Secondly, consulting allows deducting expenses. So, that meant that although uh, Ivanka did report, it appears, her income from the consulting, she had an ability to deduct, for example, the cost of a home office or travel related to it. So, that gave her a benefit in terms of it being consulting fees rather than salary. And lastly, salary is not deductible over $1 million if you are a public company. Now, of course, the Trump Organization is a privately held company, but it appears that there may be some similar limit on it. But I think even just the first two, having to pay Social Security taxes and not being able to deduct to deduct certain expenses may be the explanation for why he paid the uh, bill as a consulting fee. It does raise questions and it does allow the government to investigate whether there was any legitimate work done for those consulting fees, because if there was no work done for that, if they can't prove hourly uh, time spent on it, then it would be a fraudulent deduction and could be a uh, violation of the criminal laws of taxes. Hope that helps you. It certainly made me feel better to know about this. Yeah,
0: thank you so much for joining us. We hope you listening also enjoyed this episode. Be sure to rate and subscribe to Intergenerational Politics on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening and see you on our next episode.